Jonathan Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. I don't know how we're still doing these. I really don't. This is the 70th episode of this podcast. Um, Jeremy Cohen, I'm not even going to give you a proper introduction because that's how I'm feeling tonight. Uh, We've done 70 of these. You've been there for, I don't know, half of them. Um, How you feeling after this one tonight? fucking furious john (laughs) are you really yeah that's the thing i shouldn't even be mad i shouldn't be mad and yet i feel like this was a colossal waste of time for everyone watching it and everyone on the knicks who were who was playing in it can i hold on that is the perfect 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 five second encapsulation of this game, a waste of everyone's fucking time. Yeah, sorry, sorry for the curse at the top no, of the podcast. No, anyway. I mean, it's just everything about it: offense, defense, passing, guard play. I mean, this this game to me was like, hey, what's it like when your guards are so bad that the rest of your team sucks? Uh, that's what's going to happen. It's like John. Um, who, is there a teacher that you grew up admiring? Um, I. Yeah, I have a couple teachers in mind, sure. What's one name? Um, I, I'll give a shout-out to Father Bender. He was uh, one of my teachers in, in high school who uh, was very very nice man. That's a, that's pretty cool that Dragon Bender's dad was your teacher. <laughs> so imagine that, oh, imagine that Father Bender right comes to your classroom and gives you all these pointers on what you're supposed to do and, and just helps your teaching so much – improved to such a level and then he leaves and then you just revert back to every awful technique that you could possibly do in terms of teaching that to me is what happened when jason kidd who is second all time in assists <laughs> did with dennis smith jr and especially Emmanuel Moutier. I was wondering where you were going there. I didn't see. I did not see the Jason Kidd um, thing sneaking into this. But keep going. I like this. He was one of the best point guards of all time. Come in to talk to you, and you follow that up with five turnovers, one assist. You're passing when you do to the fans in the stands. It's it's. I just. I want this guy gone. I want him gone. <laughs> and here's the worst part, because Frank is still injured, there's nothing stopping him. Like, we can't even get Kadeem Allen in there because, for some reason, we still have to see Moutier because he has some blackmail on Scott Perry, I suppose. So I uh, – uh, no, I – The most entertaining part of this game was Noah Vonley post-ups. Yeah, I, and, that and shouldn't happen. No, that, that shouldn't ever happen, and um, it's something that, like – you know, if you're looking big picture wise, it's like, yeah, you know, we're in the weeds every day and we're we're so deep in the forest. It's like, all right, I could see Fisdale. It's like, a, you know, it's a consistent source of offense, posting up smaller guys. But it's like big picture wise, it's like, you know, why are you wasting possessions on it? And um, 
And yet, you're right. That was the best part of the game tonight. I, I did not think that I was going to be the one pulling you off the ledge, uh, especially this early in the podcast. But I, I feel obligated to say, up until like the last, I want to say tonight, and maybe the last one or two games, I forget which other game Moutier was terrible. He's been decent for like a month, so I don't want to. I don't want to be like. I don't want this to be the shit all over Emmanuel Moutier podcast, even though he played. I would I would go so far as to say he might have been, he might have played the worst game that a Nick has played this year, um, and then, and that, to be outdone, Dennis Smith Jr. for most of this game was not far behind. No, he wasn't. No, and Trier was really he was rough. I, yeah, I want to chalk that up to the fact that it was a homecoming yes, for him. Yes, exactly. I can't prove it obviously, um, but it just something didn't feel right. He had so many great performances that you could say he was due for a bad one, but. I think he put a lot of pressure on himself. And and I and I said this on the the periscope and I'll say it again now. I think it's it's um significant that we are calling out a bad game for Trier and he still had 12 points on 9 shots, which, you know, technically is still in a an efficient game. And and yet this is one of his worst games and we're saying this about an undrafted rookie which which speaks to, you know, just how good of a rookie season he's had. But I I think you phrased it very well. I think you 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 the reason why you're in this it, it's like me and you I think are on the same page. The losses this season aren't cons- like you know, obviously some of these losses are concerning, but more or less the losses were expected from anybody, you know, that had a brain, but I feel like we've gotten on this podcast time and time and time again to talk about games that they've lost and some that they've won. And we had a lot of positive stuff to talk about because, and, and, well, let me ask you. You you tell me if I'm if I'm drinking, you know, the Kool Aid. If I'm if my glass is overflowing, um, and and not fairly so. I feel like up in like the reason this game stood out is because they did not show any signs of a team that was trying to. What's the best way to put this? There was no cohesion. There was no cohesion. They were not showing any signs of trying to better themselves by at least trying to do the right things. And it's like, I feel like they, they try to, they, a lot of this year, they've tried to do a lot of the right things on both ends of the floor and they just do them really poorly or with poor technique or because they're young and they don't know any better. And they're like, Oh, I, you know, they'll, they'll learn from the, the mistakes. I didn't get that sense tonight. I get the sense of a team that was like that came out, especially in the second half, and they're like, "Yeah, um, let's just get get out of here and get on the plane." Did you get the same sense, or have you gotten the same sense between like most of this year and and what we saw tonight? I think tonight was um, really much the breaking point, but I've seen it in the past few games. At least that's what I've got. Well, that's what I walked away with. The Clippers first half, obviously. And, um, I mean, there were, there were some little signs of it in the Kings game too, because remember Mm -hmm. the one, and we talked about this on Twitter. The one thing they've been really good at this year is taking care of the ball, not Mm -hmm. turning the ball over. And then, and, and one other thing I should point out, the other thing that I feel like, and this is more anecdotal than anything else. When they have a particularly bad game in something, I feel like the next game they come out and they make a really concerted effort to be better in that thing that they were bad at the previous game. 
Um, even if it's something like effort. I feel like they'll come out the next game and they'll, they'll try really hard. Last night, or two nights ago against Sacramento, um, I forget what the exact number of turnovers was, but it was a shitload of turnovers against a team that you can't turn the ball over against. And tonight, what did they do? They came out and they turned the ball over 16 times in the first half. Like, throwing the ball around like they just didn't give a shit. Like, that, that to me is like, I'm really worried for what we're going to see over the last the next 17 games. Yeah, I did walk away feeling that a lot of those, and I could be wrong here, but it felt like a bunch of those turnovers were charges. I mean, still, it's a turnover nonetheless. But as you said, 16 and, and a half is it's preposterous. You can't do that. That's really bad. But I think the proof is also in the pudding. They had 17 assists. You could say they weren't shooting the ball well, but 45.5% from the floor really isn't a bad number. It's, it's pretty well, average it, to me. It, it is, but in fairness, again, to how atrocious they were, a lot of those assists came at in the fourth quarter when the game was yes. already decided. And so it, effects and it was, whatnot around the rim. It was even worse than that. Not that 17 is a good number. For them, it's like, you know, slightly below average for, for right. most teams. Would be t- anyway, um... Is this just, this is a young group of guys that's like, you know, some guys that haven't played together, especially, you know, you throw in the fact that the guy who's who's leading the team on the floor, Dennis Bitt Jr., played 37 minutes, you know, is how much does this fall on him? Let me ask you that. Well, the ball pretty much starts with him on most possessions, so from an offensive standpoint, yeah. We know that his defense is um, lackluster at times. But again, as you stated, he's done a really nice job of not turning the ball over as much. Um, Three turnovers turnovers tonight isn't great, but for 37 minutes, I can't – I don't see a lot of complaints there. I don't know. It's – I can't throw him under the bus because he's also had a lot less time to acclimate himself with his teammates and the plays. I think what it really comes down to – it's really two things. One, you're absolutely right. It's the age. Um, I think that because of the fact that there is a longer season, that players might get tired, even if they've, even if they're no longer rookies, it's still exhausting. But two, and Fizz mentioned this a while ago, the fact that most of the guys on this roster are not under contract next year or could yeah. become free agents, yeah, that hurts. These are guys who are going to be looking for themselves because. They recognize that at the end of the day, they need to secure their next contract. And I'm concerned that we are going to start seeing that from those players. And it's going to kind of muck up the offense and defense are going to be more focused on man-to-man and not as much with off-ball yep. stuff. So it, it's, it is a challenge in that sense. And it's hard to be a cohesive unit and know who's coming back without knowing who's simply going to be coming back. And and it's a it's a test for Fisdale and um you know I and I think you to to a large extent have given a pass for a lot of the X's and O's stuff this year for Fisdale because it's like, you know, you you cook with the ingredients that you're given and and he hasn't been given ingredients that that you can make a, a decent meal with. But where we've given him praise all year is, again, the consistent effort for the most part. The fact that they have been, you know, trying to play the right way. You know, not all the time, not everybody, but for the most part. So this is really going to be the test. Um, 
to see, you know, 17 games left in, in a season that could not be more meaningless um, to see what they come up with. We should, um, I, I, I was about to say we should mention Mitchell Robinson because he, he had four blocks um, and he was the, uh, here's the what, here's the best thing I could say about Mitchell Robinson tonight. I felt like I watched a team full of guys, 10 guys play tonight. And Trier kind of falls into this category, but not nearly as much as Mitch. It felt like I was watching 10 guys that if you didn't tell me their age or their draft pedigree, I would, and you asked me, okay, of these 10 guys, who's the guy who's actually an NBA player and who were the guys that got called up from you know the local YMCA to fill in tonight? I'd be like, oh, that guy, Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, he's the NBA player. He stood out tonight in that way, even though he didn't have his best game, um, which I thought is it was cool. And as a Knicks fan, it's like, again, at the very least, you could take that away from this game, which I, I liked. I would agree. I'd say Vonley as well, just because in the second quarter, he was cooking quite a bit. He was. That's fair. That's a fair but, point. But, I mean, they're certainly not on the same level, even if you're just taking this one game sample size. But, yeah, it... It looked awful for a lot of guys, and I don't want to harp on Knox because I feel like I do that enough. So it, it's, but it's just disappointing to continually, continuously see it. And at a certain point, you just have to wonder why is it that he's not just given a game off? Why does he have to keep playing excessive? Minutes. Well, but in fairness, 25 minutes tonight, which, again, it's only three or four minutes below his season's average. But if you factor in some of the earlier season games where he really wasn't playing that much, I mean, it feels like we were seeing game after game after game from him where he was playing in the high 30s, right? Yeah. And now it's... He's been approaching 40 at a certain point. He's he's gotten less, granted. I mean, 24, 21, 24, 22, so... I, I certainly stand corrected on that sense. No, I know, but you're, look, it's still 25 minutes for a guy that that struggling again, is struggling massively, Quite especially on defense. And I just don't, you know, this was the knock on him coming out of college. Immensely skilled player, and we've seen the skills this year. We saw them in December. He won Rookie of the Month. I mean, they don't they didn't give him that award out of charity. Um, he earned it. He was he was the best rookie in the Eastern Conference for the month of December. And that's not nothing. We saw that. He he has proven already that he could be an effective NBA player to a certain extent. I think what we're seeing now is proof of the fact that he is not a guy who is going to change whatever trend is happening on the court or basically or, or for your team at large. Um, but I, th- I do think that he once he gets his shot straightened out, which it's you know, I think that has to do with, like we've talked about, his legs are just not there anymore. Um, once he gets that straightened out, when he's on a team that's rolling, I think it's going to be fine. I think he'll be fine. So I, I, I continue to not be really worried about him despite what we're seeing. Let's, I agree. Let's end with this. Um, does it matter? Does any of this matter? I make it out to be like it matters. I know you think it matters. We're talking about this on a fucking podcast at, what time is it? I've, I don't even... No, 10 to midnight on a friggin' Wednesday, a game that is a meaningless game other than for for the lottery standings. We think this matters. 
Are we idiots? That's my last question to you. Are we idiots, Jeremy Cohen? <laughs> are we f- fucking morons? No, no. But at the same time, it's just like I really don't think that five years from now we're going to look back at this night and say I can't believe that you know, Dotson – while he shot well from the floor, it was just sometimes pitiful on defense, especially off ball. Uh, we're not going to say I can't believe Henry Ellenson only got three minutes. We're we're going <laughs> to that back. is that what got under your skin tonight? If anything, it's the, that John <laughs> Jenkins didn't get off the bench. I miss I can't John Jenkins. He was the only guy with a positive plus minus. No, it's it's more the fact that a lot of these games, as time goes on, will blur together. Yeah, and depending on how the Knicks do in the lottery is how much this game will be remembered because – and this is all with the butterfly effect. It's really moot. But let's say that the Knicks somehow fall and the Suns rise in the draft. There are going to be people who say, well, if the Knicks had lost that game and they'd finished second, they would have gone up in the lottery. That is not true. That that It's just physically impossible. No, not, but, but that being said, it's like I think we can understand and certainly – plenty of listeners do too there's a very realistic possibility that the knicks secure the worst record and fall to fifth and i think that a lot of people might say i can't believe that one game that they won screwed up the tank in a way that we didn't think it would but wound up doing it like they should have won that game so this one game in particular i don't think is going to be very memorable like a lot of them that they played especially the Clippers game, the Kings game, really any West Coast game that wasn't against the Lakers. So it's not that it doesn't matter. It's just that we're not going to hold this in as high, I want to say regard, but it's it's just not going to be as important a few years down the line. Here's here's the the thing I'll say on this, and it's it's why it's why. It's why I still watch every night. It's why I still am committed to really analyzing like the nitty-gritty of their effort and how they're playing. I I want Kevin Durant this summer. Um, do you want Kevin Durant this summer, Jeremy? Pass. <laughs> I, want, uh, I want Bogdanovich. Of course you do. Of course yeah. you do. Um, I want I want Kevin Durant this summer. I don't believe Kevin Durant has made up his mind. I think there are if he comes to the Knicks, regardless of if they win their next seventeen games or lose their next seventeen games, um, I don't think basketball reasons are going to be the the primary thing that that makes him come here. Um. And I think anybody who thinks otherwise would be would be kidding themselves. That said, I I don't think he is. And, and again, there's there's a contrarian theory to the to what I'm about to say, which is like the more embarrassing they are, the better, the more convinced he will be to come here because he will you know look at it as a better feather in the cap of his legacy that he came to the most embarrassing franchise in the league and he rescued them and that 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 could elevate him historically i don't get a sense that he's the type of guy that cares about that as much as we like to think man that that's that's a symbolic train going by that's a lot <laughs> it's louder than usual so i feel like either what i'm saying is on point or is completely wrong 
Um, <laughs> it's trying to drown you out. It is. That's, so maybe maybe I should just shut the, shut well, the hell up. I, I don't think you're wrong, but here's yeah. my thought. Every single time we or he tries to say my legacy is not important, you go back to the secret accounts and the tweets. These things get to him. And I think that's fair. That's fair. There's a lot that's important to Kevin Durant, especially from, I mean, just purely from a basketball standpoint and also then from. Yeah, yeah, no, you're you're right. From a basketball standpoint, there's other stuff. But I want to, the reason I'm cutting you off is because if that is true and if basketball and if his legacy does matter, well, then he's going to want to come to a team that has some semblance of a chance to compete next year. And I feel like if you squinted hard enough, you know, when guys around the league talk and got, you know, they, they know what's going on. They know they, they don't pay attention to fucking journalists who, who write, you know, stories that back up narratives. I feel like for most of this year, if you squinted hard enough, you could see the, the vague outline of something going on with the Knicks. That's like, all right, I could see maybe if you added two really good players, two of the best 10 players in the league, this could start to work. And that's why I feel like games like this matter. Because I feel like if he looks at the situation and is like, wait a minute, I I thought when Fizz came here, he was going to be able to like kind of rally the troops and get this thing at least headed in the right direction. Yeah, that's not happening. Like if they if they go on to to look like this their last seventeen games and again we're talking about one game you know you want to lump the Clippers game into that's why I'm worried. Well, so yeah. the argument I would say to that is that we're at the point and NBA players know this now that teams that are pretty much tanking or losing to such a degree they throw in the towel and they just bill it as we're seeing who's going to be on the roster next year we're developing. You know, fringe players. It's very hard to look at that team or look at those teams in a vacuum. Going back to, I mean, legacy and everything, you have to wonder with everything LeBron James is going through right now, that Kevin Durant isn't, and I'm being very optimistic here, this is very biased, but you have to wonder if Kevin Durant is licking his chops and thinking, I could take a team that is incredibly young and identical in a lot of ways not so much from a talent standpoint but from an age standpoint to what lebron joined in los angeles and i could take that team to the playoffs or he could look at as a cautionary tale and be like wow i don't want to end up in a situation like that yes although the counter i would have to that is i think kevin durant would be more inclined to trusting scott perry than he would to to, uh magic johnson strictly based on the fact that Perry played a role in drafting him, and I think that Durant has some sort of a chip on his shoulder that he didn't go first overall. And I think that it's important that he know, that Scott Perry is aware. Like, listen, I have these relationships with players. I know what talent looks like. I was part of a championship-winning team from an organizational and management standpoint. I know what I'm doing. But there are plenty of reasons for him to doubt it. As well. No, I mean, and the other thing that I that should be mentioned, I think Durant still has a few more years of his prime left, and I think we're we are sadly seeing that decline. Yeah, I think I think LeBron's prime probably ended um, last year, and I I could certainly you know have egg on my face uh, if he 
you know, if they sign someone this summer and he comes back and it's great next year, I, I don't see it. Um, also, LeBron is like a tougher guy to fit in with a lot of, it's like, that's like the, been the low key, like underreported thing of like his, his time in the NBA. He's not the easiest fit with a lot of, like he is an easy fit with certain types of guys. He's not an easy fit with other guys. Kevin Durant could play with anybody in the league. He's the easiest. Mm-hmm. He's the easiest fitting player there is. So I, I don't think maybe he'll, he'll. Despite what I said before, I don't think he's going to have those concerns. I just. I think he needs to 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 see enough going down the stretch to feel good about making that choice, or feel good enough that he's like, I'm not making a choice that is absolutely like definitely going to blow up in my face on the basketball court. Um, and and just one more thing on this before we go because. The fact that we've talked about this fucking team for 25 <laughs> minutes now after this game is astonishing. Um, and this is where I, I actually I love conversations about tanking because, like, okay, we saw Mitchell Robinson try to post up tonight. Do you remember what happened on that play? I missed it. Um, he turned the ball over. He wasn't looking, and he got the ball swiped, and it's probably because it's, like, the third or fourth time he's tried to do that all year. That is the type of thing that you are okay with seeing from a young team at the end of a season. And that is like one definition of tanking. Like, let's let Mitchell Robinson experiment with posting up. Let's let Kevin Knox drive the lane and figure out different moves that may work for him, even though most of them will not work for him. And he looks like um, a young deer um you know, getting pushed around by, like, a bear um, as he gets closer to the rim. Like, those things are, like, those are good tanking moves because they are, like, letting your young players grow and develop. Tonight, like, despite the fact that we did see the Mitchell Robinson post-up attempt tonight, tonight was tanking of the of the bad variety. It was just, we don't really give a shit. So... Like, there's a difference for me and whether or not Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving or anyone else is paying that careful of attention that they know the difference between, like, good tanking and bad tanking down the stretch of the season. But I don't know. I just I, – I, I, I can't help but think that it is going to matter. So that's it. That's my piece. I've said what I'm going to say. Yeah, I think that's fair. I do. Especially against a team like the Suns, where you'd hope that they'd have a better performance. And granted, the Suns impressively beat the Bucks the last game. They've won four out of five. Break up the I Suns. Know. Yeah, but but you want to see more effort, at least from a defensive perspective. And again, 107 points, considering that they're playing away, that's not terrible. They did a really uh, nice job. That's that's but like that is like it's a deceptive 107. Yeah. They gave up 16 points in the first quarter because Phoenix literally could not get out of their own way and then proceeded to give up 33 in the second, 32 in the third, and then 26 in the fourth when, when Phoenix kind of um, called the dogs off. But, yeah, no, your point your – point, look, they didn't give, come out and give up 140 or something absurd like right. that. I, I get that. They could have. They, re- I mean, they really could oh, have based God, on the way Booker was shooting. God knows they could. Listen, they could do anything on any given night. Um <laughs> Also, right. one thing that was, I found hilarious, just very quick. Please. So uh, for those who were watching, weren't watching, Rashawn Holmes was hit in an area that you don't want to be hit in. And he was <laughs> hit in that area twice. And I didn't – I saw the one with when Trier drove. There was, there was another one? 
There was, yeah. Um, it was, I think it was the first half. But some people, I, I happen to notice, and after the second time, I tweeted out, Rashawn Holmes might want to consider playing with a cup from now on. Uh, dude's been hitting, dude's been hitting the gonads twice tonight. And this has happened to me before with Rashawn Holmes. It happened the last game the Knicks played. His mother tweets or has some alert that every time Rashawn Holmes pops up, she sees it because she tweeted at me, yeah, and I'm not happy about that. I still want more grandkids. Are you shitting me? I'm, I'm dead serious. And I found it hilarious. That's, you know what? <laughs> For absolutely no reason whatsoever, that makes me feel better about tonight. Well, I'm glad. I don't know why. Um, I think uh, Moutier also got hit in the nuts at some point when he was driving um, and flailing his way uh, towards the basket. But um, you know what? I'm not sure Emmanuel Moutier should have any kids because I don't think we need any more um, little Moutiers playing basketball in the world. So maybe that's for the best um, <laughs> that he got hit in the hit in the nether the nether regions. Um, okay, so should we end the podcast talking about Emmanuel Moutier's nuts and his possible future kids, or is there anything else you want to say before we go? <laughs> um, that's a good place to end. Uh, I'll, I'll say that uh, Andrew Claudio and I have a guest. We'll be releasing a podcast for Nothing But Nicks on Friday. Great. But, uh, yeah, let's, let's have the last thing be Moutier's nuts. I think that's very refreshing. I, I'm tempted to put... Um, the title of this podcast. Uh, let's maybe I'll I'll try to think of like a creative, not blatantly obvious way to reference Moody's nuts in the title of this podcast. Well, um, you got to do something with the it's Emmanuel. There's man in his first name nuts. There's got there's something we could be working with here. Is <laughs> more than he's working with on the court. That's for sure. <laughs> that's All right. True. Um, <laughs> Jeremy Cohen, can I just say that you? Continue to be a champ uh, this season doing these things. Uh, I appreciate you for it. It will not be the last one because we have a <laughs> we have a month left to go. Uh, we're almost to the to the one month mark. Uh, I think the season ends April tenth. So what's today? March? What is it? March seventh. Yes, it just turned March seventh. As we were literally four, <laughs> we're, we're four minutes into March seventh. So we're we're one one day closer to the season being over. Um, thank you for coming on. Um, you're the best. Um, yeah. Thank you for having me. I, I just I keep As thinking, I keep thinking about Moody is Moody is nuts. Um, you're right. dream about them tonight. Yeah, uh, and thank you, of course, out there for listening to another, you know, just killer episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We'll be back with you. Um, I have two very special guests coming up tomorrow night, so that'll be out um, late late Thursday, uh, early Friday. You're not gonna want to miss that. That's gonna be a good combo. Um, as opposed to this, which we should just, I think, went off the rails. Uh, oh, wait, wait, hold on. We can't end yet. The f- most important thing that I didn't even mention. You messaged me before the game <laughs> or a few hours before the game, and you're like, what would you think about doing a drunk podcast? And I was like, eh, maybe let's wait until the end of the season. Um, I missed the boat on that one. I dropped the ball. Well, I... I didn't drink either because I felt if I got drunk, it would just look unprofessional. I mean, I, I had a beer before I took a nap. Um, yes, yeah, so one beer put you to sleep, John. You're that old. No, I was gonna. I was taking a nap anyway, but I just, I, mm-hmm. I had, you know, I, I'm a man. I had a beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, sure, sure, I, sure. I had, a, I had a beer with my dinner. Um, 
you know, very traditional American uh, thing to do. And then I took a nap because uh, I'm 57 years old. And then uh, I had two beers with the game. So, yeah, tonight was not the drunk podcast, but we will we, – it should have been, A. And, B, we will we will do it at some point this season. So We'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. All right, that's it. Um, talk to everybody later. Enjoy the rest of your week. And, yeah, peace out. Peace out.